Darby Thomas, co-chair of the DSASF Mobilizer Committee. This week, we're doing something a little bit different, and instead of interviewing an organizer about a recent action, I'm going to be talking about the Secret Life of Leftist Logos. The Secret Life of Leftist Logos was originally a talk that I gave at a San Francisco general meeting. I did the talk because other designers and illustrators would ask me kind of like obvious questions about like, why do we use these symbols? And I usually didn't have an answer, kind of like embarrassingly. So I spent some time looking up the answers, and then I put them in a presentation. So that's my giant disclaimer. I am not an expert. I'm not a historian. I am a graphic designer. I'm just trying to help out other designers. Um, I'm merely a person who used Google very intensely one evening. Um, the presentation does not go very deep into every single leftist logo. This was honestly just me attempting to provide working knowledge for other designers and illustrators in my chapter. To get started, uh, let's talk about the DSA's own logo. So it's a red rose and two hands clasped together in a handshake. The red rose symbolizes socialism, the red hand symbolizes communism, and the black hand represents anarchism. And all this together is meant to represent a big tent organization made up of members of many different anti-capitalist traditions, all working for the same goal of abolishing capitalism. You might have seen an alternative version like floating around where it's a white hand shaking a black or brown hand. And so I don't think this version is like the wrong one. I think it just represents a different idea of left unity. So instead of different leftist traditions coming together to fight for socialism, this one is uh, representing different races coming together to fight for socialism. Handshakes are a symbol that you see a lot in socialist uh, movements and in the labor movement, and it's a really elegant symbol of solidarity. And there's a line in the film Pride that I think about a lot when I'm like illustrating a handshake and I'm going to share it. It goes, two hands, that's what the labor movement means, should mean. You support me, I support you, whoever you are, wherever you come from, shoulder to shoulder, hand to hand. Yeah, so no matter what your background is, what your experience level is, you know, hopefully when you see something like this, you recognize that this is a, a place where you can go to get started with your like activist journey. Um, cool. So the, the next thing we're going to talk about is the color red. Why do socialists use the color red? Why are we so obsessed with it? Um, yeah, and so when I'm at an event meant for, like, the general public, I get asked this question a lot. Um, maybe because, like, in the United States, red has become so very strongly associated with the Republican Party or, like, the MAGA hats and all of that. Um, but, you know, it was the socialists first. Uh, the color red is one of the earliest symbols of socialism, and it's it represents the blood of the workers who have died in the struggle against capitalism. And the earliest use that people like to point to for, you know, red flags being used for liberatory movements is the French Revolution in 1789. 
Um, and then, uh, the, you know, here's some bonus trivia that I usually share when I'm tabling is that the Republican Party in the United States used to be a revolutionary party. It was made up of folks that were reading Marx and were um, really struggling to, like, find a party of, like, liberation. It was pretty radical. And so they chose red for, uh, you know, all of those, like, all of those reasons. So the Republican Party uh, used to be a radical party, and now it's a reactionary, terrible one. Um, so next we're going to talk about the rose. Um, yeah, what's the deal with the rose? Why do socialists like it so much? Um, you know, it's in all the emojis uh, in people's handles, so like, what's the deal? And the short answer is no one knows for sure. The earliest source that people cite comes from the early 1900s. A socialist and women's rights organizer named Rose Schneiderman gave a speech with the following lines. What the woman who labors wants is the right to live, not simply exist. The right to life as the rich woman has the right to life, and the sun, and music, and art. You have nothing that the humblest worker has not a right to also. The worker must have bread, but she must have roses too. So her phrase, bread and roses, became associated with a 1912 textile strike of largely immigrant, largely women workers in Lawrence, Massachusetts. And that's known as the bread and roses strike. And all of this together for me um, means, uh, means the following. We know that capitalism starves not only the body, but also the heart. Roses symbolize a positive vision of society, one where any who, anyone, anyone who wants to, can make art and music and other things that nourish our humanity. So the next one is a pretty easy one. Uh, it's the hammer and sickle, um, and it's usually used to symbolize communism. Most people can, can like deduce that the hammer represents industrial workers and that the sickle represents agrarian workers and that together they represent worker solidarity. But like why these tools specifically? This was like some history that I had to learn that I think is like kind of like kind of cute. Um, and it goes, uh, well, so the hammer is uh, allegedly the hammer you would use to shape a sickle and the sickle is used to harvest grain and grain is what you use to make bread. So, you know, now now we've got bread to go with our roses. Next, let's look at the anarchism symbol. I think most people see like an A inside of a circle, but it's actually an A and the letter O. And it's supposed to represent this phrase, anarchy is order. Uh, so that's the first part of this Proudhon quotation. The full phrase is anarchy is order, government is civil war. So Proudhon is known as like the father of anarchy. He was a French politician and philosopher, and he's like the first recorded example of someone calling themselves an anarchist. He's like worth looking up. He said a lot of like iconic phrases that you might hear leftists like throw around, for example, like our uh, property is theft. He's that guy. So the first time I saw this like A and inside of an O symbol, I think I, I just kind of like associated it with like rock music, not realizing that it was a, it, they had like a political ideology behind it. So the punk rock movement and the band Crass especially is credited for popularizing the symbol back way back in the 1970s. And the symbol became associated with like rebelliousness. And for most people, I think if they're not familiar with the political ideology, they would probably just mean that like, or they would probably say it means like chaos or some kind of like shallow anti-authority. But it's not. It's this, uh, this other phrase that maybe has a lot more like depth to it. All right, let's talk about the raised fist. 
So you might have like seen this um, around. I know it's really popular with like the hashtag resistance folks and it's a clenched fist uh, and you probably usually see it in the sort of like like paper cut style. It's like very chunky like the fingers look like like rectangles. Um, It kind of is usually rendered in like a single color. And so um, it's a common symbol of struggle, this like raised fist. And the industrial workers of the world actually are credited for popularizing it. And you see it um, in a lot of uh, IWW propaganda, actually. But the first time we see this uh, sort of like paper cut uh, silhouette version is... um, back in like 1968. So uh, Frank Chitorka, an artist and activist who was a volunteer for the Freedom Summer in, uh, in Mississippi and an organizer for the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party and art director of the Movement, a national newspaper of community anti-war and civil rights organizing, is uh, the artist who first drafted it in this um, Stop the Draft Week poster. And I think that um, one note that I want to make as like, you know, like a professional designer is that I think of um, all the renderings of like a raised fist that you might um, see. I think this one is the one that like really took off and was popularized because of the simplicity in rendering it. I think it's like really hard to like um, look at these maybe like earlier posters and think like, oh, I could totally reproduce this like fist that has like a lot of shading and like, you know, has details like fingernails and like wrinkles in the like in the palm. Um, But when I see like this paper cut version, it kind of it kind of basically is just like six different shapes that you can sort of like uh, assemble together. So it's simplicity uh, and the ability to render it and have it like look good is probably why it's so like widespread. So the next thing we're going to talk about is um, the this wild cat. Um, so you might have heard like the phrase wild cat strike. Um, you might have seen a rendering of this like kind of Halloweeny like scrawny looking cat that might be might look like it's like yelling at you. Um, so the cat's name is Sabo, which is short for Sabo Tabby which is a reference to the word sabotage. And the sabotabi is a mascot for wildcat strikes. So a wildcat strike is a strike action undertaken by unionized workers without union leadership's uh, authorization, support, or approval. I've also heard it sort of applied to um, even like non-unionized workers who decide to take a, a labor action. Um, But yeah, so what does all of that have to do with sabotage? And it gets a little bit tricky. So um, another symbol in a lot of IWW stuff that you might have seen is like this wooden clog. And it's, uh, if you didn't know any better, you would just think like, well, well, the Wobblies, I guess they just like really like shoes for some reason. But it's not any shoe. It's this wooden clog that was traditionally worn by French and Breton peasants. And it's called a sabot. And it's where we get the word sabotage. Uh, And so the story goes that poor workers in France wore these wooden shoes and used to throw these sabots in the machines to subvert production. But that's like not totally true. Um, So the the French source word literally means to like walk noisily as though wearing bad uh, as though wearing wooden shoes. And it's used to mean like badly done work or low quality work because of its associations with uh, peasants. And so sabotage for the IWW doesn't mean like, 
you know, literally like uh, physically destroying things. It just means sort of like any withdrawal of efficiency, including a slowdown, a strike, or just like a creative bungling of job assignments. The next logo we're going to be talking about is the anti-fascist circle. Is it has its roots in German anti-fascist movements of the 1930s. And the symbol was originally designed by Sergei Chachochin for the German anti-fascist paramilitary organization known as the Iron Front. And it was reportedly designed as a circle so that it could be easily painted over Nazi swastikas. So the three arrows stand for uh, striking out the three enemies of social democracy. The first first arrow uh, is meant to strike out reactionaries, especially the monarchists who wanted to restore the recently deposed monarchy. The second one is meant to strike out fascism, especially the Nazis in particular. And then the third arrow is meant to strike out Stalinists. So that does it for this round of The Secret Life of Leftist Logos. Thanks for listening, and I hope you learned something. I learned a ton just like putting this together, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun sharing this knowledge out. The Democratic Socialists of America is the largest socialist organization in the United States. We have over 120 chapters in 48 states. We're an activist organization, not a political party. To become a member, go to dsausa.org. To find out what our local chapter is up to, visit dsasf.org. Our intro music is by Young Chomsky.